0: Amen. Well, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. This weekend is the third message in our series called The Best of the Best. We're looking at some of the most important chapters in the Bible. If you say, Pastor Robert, just give me the cliff notes, just give me the summary, just give me the high points... I've never read the Bible much. If you've never read the Bible much, if you're just kind of getting acclimated to what it means to know and to follow Christ, this is a great series for you to kind of get the bigger picture. For many of us who are believers, maybe you've walked with the Lord for a while, I hope this is helpful for you as well. It might be, oh yeah, I haven't read that chapter in a while. I haven't heard a message on this passage in forever. Maybe I've never quite heard what we've brought out in that. Maybe God's reminding you about some things that you learned even years ago. And God is stirring that by way of remembrance so that you will be renewed. Hey, you know the way I look at it? If I'm a Christian and I hear passages that I've heard before, it's not, oh, this is for everybody who's never heard it. This is, oh, since I've heard it before, I should really get a lot out of it. Amen? Because I'm already familiar with it. So wherever you are, I hope this series is going to be helpful for you. And so far, we've talked about two main passages. We talked about Genesis chapter 1. God created everything. And it was amazing. And it was wonderful. And it was miraculous. And it was good. In fact, he said it was very, very good. But then last time we learned in Genesis 3, there's an enemy, an enemy of God. And so, an enemy of us, because we're so special to God, who came along and who had a strategy to destroy what God meant for such wonderful good. But we looked last week, even though we saw one of the darkest spots in the Bible, we saw that in Genesis 3, God already began to give us a clue that He was going to do something about that. Amen? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we said, was the, really kind of the first hint, the first mention of the gospel, the good news, early on in the Bible. That yes, we're going to have an enemy, But God, and that enemy is going to bother us, if you want to put it that way, and it could be a lot worse than that. That enemy was going to cause us a lot of problems, but God told us that we would overwhelmingly conquer over that enemy if we put our trust in Him. Amen, anybody? God helps us if we trust in Him. And today we're going to see that where Genesis 3, verse 15, might have been our first kind of solid clue about that, Really, the rest of the Bible paints that portrait in much more vivid color. God shows us, I have a plan. I'm going to do this. I intended to do some things, some really good things, some things in you and through you and around you and for you. And I'm still going to do those things. And here's how I'm going to accomplish those things. But as we look at the passage that we're looking at today in Genesis chapter 12, if we can better understand this passage, we're going to better understand how God intended to turn that around. To turn around what He intended in Genesis 1 that seemed to get cut off in Genesis 3. But in Genesis 12, God begins to show us how this plan is going to unfold. And by the way, if you understand Genesis 12, you're going to much better understand the news today. You're going to much better understand what is going on in our world right now if you have a better understanding of Genesis 12. And you will also have a much clearer picture of how God is going to wrap this thing up in the future. God has a plan, amen? And God is going to finish what He started. And much of that started in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1-3. through 3. Let's read that together. Let me read that out loud as you follow along in your Bible, or you can look up on the screen. The Bible says in Genesis 12, verse 1 Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, before we dig into this, I just want to say, isn't this incredible? Isn't it amazing that as far as we can tell, this was around approximately 2000 B.C.? Okay, so if our understanding of God's Word and just sort of the timeline, we don't know exactly exactly. But many people believe as we look at God's Word, we kind of look at the genealogies and how it would all play out, that the earth, the world, has been here around maybe six, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. Let's say 6,000 years. Well, around 4,000 BC is when we believe probably that the earth was created. So that was Adam, 4,000. So Abraham's around 2,000. How many years later was this? 2,000 years later. Isn't it amazing That 2,000 years or so had passed from Adam to Abraham, but God had not forgotten. Amen? God had not forgotten to make sure that there was a plan for us to get back to Him. Listen, I love this thought. Forever. God had a plan for us to get back to Him forever. Side note, are you a thinker like me? I wonder, well, if that happened in the garden... Are we going to go to heaven and all this replays again? No, God promised never again. Amen. Never again. It's not going to happen again. God had a plan that he began to unfold. And this was the next major step in that plan. The verses that we just read. Isn't it also incredible that as he begins to unfold that plan to bring us back to himself, isn't it interesting that he uses one of us in that work? Amen? Have you ever thought about that? We just assume things because we read the Bible. God used one of us, a human being, a person, that he was going to work through to do much of that work. So let's talk about that. In God's plan to bless the world. That's our focus this weekend. Genesis 12 tells us that God has a plan to bless the world. And the first thing I want you to understand is that God works through people. Write that down. God works through people like you and like me. Genesis 12, verse 1. Let's go back to it. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land, which I will show you. Now, in this verse, God speaks to a man named Abram. Now, I'm going to, t- I'm going to call him Abraham Abraham. From now on, because it just kind of rolls off the tongue a little easier. And that's what we ultimately know him as as we go through the book of Genesis. But God was going to work through a man. He speaks to a man named Abraham. And the Bible says, the Lord said to him. Now, how did God speak to him? Well, we know in the Bible, many times God did speak to people audibly. But the reason for that is because God's Word had not been given, had not been established, and God's Spirit had not come to live within people's hearts like He does today. But today, we don't primarily expect God to speak to us like that, right? And I shared this with you a few weeks ago, but I just want to remind you again so that we're learning how God speaks to us. God speaks to us through His Word. That's the best way that you can know that God has spoken to you. I hope that after this message... In a few moments, you're going to leave here saying, God spoke to me today. There was a message in His Word that He used to speak to my heart. God speaks to us by His Spirit, doesn't He? You're lying in the dark. God doesn't audibly speak to you, but you have a sense as you pray that God is speaking to you, that God is leading you to do some things. God speaks to us through other people, primarily His people, but God works through other people, doesn't He? Often in our lives, to give us his message. And then we've learned that God speaks to us through circumstances. So in that order, those are the most reliable sources for knowing that God speaks to us. Now, we don't know exactly how God spoke to Abraham, but actually we find out from Acts chapter 7, verse 2, that what we're reading here was actually a subsequent call. God had actually spoken to Abraham previously in the land where he grew up, called Ur of the Chaldees, or what we would call Babylon. And as you look at that story, it seems like it might have happened like this. And you're going to see a map up on the screen, so you can kind of get just the gist of the travels. He was there in the west, in the Ur of the Chaldees, in Babylon. And the Bible says that God spoke to him in that place where he grew up, a place that was known, listen, for people who did not follow God. That's where Abraham grew up much like you and many people in this room. At some point, the Bible says, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, if you go back and read, Abraham's brother, Haran, had died in Ur of the Chaldees. Now, we don't know if it was Abraham asking to move, or maybe it was his father wanting to move, maybe because his brother had died, but the Bible says that they moved from Ur of the Chaldees to Haran which is kind of interesting because that was his brother's name. And I don't know if maybe his dad, that was about five or 600 miles. Okay, that's kind of a big deal, by the way, okay? We're reading a story of some people, and by the way, they didn't have cars. They didn't have interstate. Here's some people that loaded up. And maybe it was his dad was open to following Abraham's call. Maybe it was because he had lost his son. But maybe when they got to Haran, that reminded him of his son. He just said, hey, I'm camping out right here. That's enough traveling for me. I'm not going any further. We don't really know about his dad too much. But Joshua 24 verse 2 gives us the impression his dad was either not a follower of God or he was very new in his following of God. So they stayed there in that place. Until Abraham's dad died. But in that place, God reiterated his call to Abraham. And after after his dad died in that place, God reiterates his call to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. Now why am I sharing all that with you? God was calling Abraham to completely step out and start a new path of life. You know, that's what, some, that's what God's doing in some of your hearts, isn't it? God is calling you. You're, you're at church right now because God has been speaking in your heart that I have a new direction for your life. And as we look at the, the events unfold, you could get the idea that maybe Abraham was reluctant about that. Can you relate to that? Maybe he went a ways, but maybe he sort of stopped for a little bit. Maybe it was because of his family, Maybe it was because of fear. We don't know. Maybe this was steps that God was working out. Doesn't God do that? Doesn't God take us through steps? Because he knows that we can't go from A to Z immediately. And who can blame Abraham for that struggle? God said, I want you to leave your country. How many of you have grown up in this same area your whole life? How many of us? Okay, a good many people. All right? What if God said to you, what if God spoke to your heart in this message? In some way, God made it clear to you or began to sort of tenderize your heart. Maybe He put New Mexico on your mind. I'm going to lead you to New Mexico. What? I don't even know what they eat in New Mexico. I don't know what the climate is. I don't know what the average income is. I don't know what the common. Amen, right? You can imagine someone like Abraham struggling with this because he said, God said, listen, you're going to leave where you grew up and you're going to go somewhere else. And by the way, you're going to leave your relatives. Isn't that what we often struggle with is family and following God? Now listen, let's do not let's don't be mis- mistaken. It's not that God wants to separate families. God is a family man, Right? <laughs> God is the one who created family. God is all for family. But sometimes we have to be thoughtful that family considerations can keep us from obeying and following God's direction. Whether that's not necessarily moving, that's just stepping out and doing what God's called you to do. Specifically, he said you're going to leave your father's house. We don't know for sure, but what if Abraham was kind of close to his dad? Anybody here close to your dad? Anybody here just have a special relationship with your mom or your dad, and you could see how if God said, I'm I'm calling you to leave your father's house, how you might have struggled with that. And especially, what if God said to you, I'm leading you, not to New Mexico, but I'll tell you later. Just load up. Just go home this evening. Start getting things together, and we'll give you further instructions. It's not hard to see how... Someone would struggle with that, right? We want to read these Bible accounts that make it seem also obvious. Yeah, Abraham, you talk about him in Sunday school. He's painted on, on walls in, kids, in the kids' wing rooms, maybe, of some church buildings. You know? And so we just think of these figures like this, as sort of cartoon figures, but he was a real man that God was speaking to about these things. What if God spoke to you clearly about some of those same things today? So once again, here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God calls out to Abraham again. He said, Abraham, what I first spoke to you about, has God ever done that with you? Hey, don't forget like five years ago, you were sitting in a service like this and I spoke to your heart about blank, right? Has God ever done that with you? Hey, remember, Robbie, remember when you were at youth camp when you were a teenager remember when you were on that retreat? You remember when you were riding to Albany and you heard that pastor on the radio and I was speaking to your heart? You remember when you were sitting in that class? You remember when that person spoke something to you that they didn't realize what they were saying and I was speaking to your heart? I'm speaking to you about that again. Abraham, this is what I'm doing in your life. This is what I created you for. You've already gone 500 miles. Good job, buddy. But you got a little ways to go. And by the way, he, didn't, he at that point, he still didn't know. It was only about 300 more miles but he still had some ways to go. And what I want us to notice here is that God is doing one of the biggest things he's ever done. In a sense, in our from our perspective, the biggest thing, God is working to bring us back to himself. Don't forget, Genesis 1 is wonderful. Heaven is going to be all that more, right? Remember we said that? But that's been messed up. In Genesis 3, So God said, I'm going to fix all that. And as God was fixing all of that, He spoke to a man named Abraham. I want you to write down this thought. Has it ever occurred to you that God might be doing something in this world? Listen. And that you might have a part in that. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever stopped and considered... That God is at work in this world. For some of you, that's a new idea. But going a step further, that not only is God at work, but He's calling you to be a part of that work. I'm going to be honest with you. I believe in all of our hearts, we have a sense of that, don't we? We have a sense that we were made for a greater purpose, right? We have a sense that we're not just here to go to work, to pay bills, to keep a house up, And then one day you paint all the walls your favorite colors and then you're going to die and somebody's going to come in the next week your house is going to look totally different. All that years of work, there's got to be more than this, right? We sense that, all of us, on some level. Do you know what your part is? Maybe you have come to a point in your life where you've come to understand that there's a God and you've given your life to Him. And, and, and you realize this, this truth of what we're talking about, that God works in people, that He has a larger purpose, that He calls us. But do you know what that is? Have you pursued that call? Are you growing in that call that God has for you? And by the way, Abraham's story shows us that this same offer applies to people that didn't grow up in church, to people whose family did not follow God. Isn't that good news? Because some of you are sitting here right now, you say, yeah, some of you guys, y'all dress up real nice. You know, you've been coming, your grandma came. Your, By the way, nobody's grandma came to this church because they ain't been around long enough, okay? so, but, but maybe somebody's grandma, you know, started it in your family and then it came down through the next generation. And yes, that's wonderful, okay? That's wonderful. If that's your story, praise God. Amen? But thank God that he does not only work in people like that. In fact, he often works in people who do not have that story. Even if your family did not follow God, God still wants to work through your life. I hope that encourages you today. We're looking at some of the high points in the Bible. And Genesis 12 tells us God has a plan that's been working out for thousands of years. And he wants to bring this world back to himself. And he's going to do that by working through people. But Let's look at verses 2 and 3. In these verses, God says, "He's got a plan for this world, and as He unfolds that plan, God is a God who makes big promises." Write that down. Genesis 2: one, verses two and three. He says to this man, "And I will make you." listen to these promises, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great." Can you imagine if God said this stuff to you? Can you imagine? These are big promises, aren't they? And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. You see that God chose, as He was unfolding this plan, to work through a man named Abraham. But here in these verses, we see more of the specifics. The Lord said some things to Abraham. He made Abraham some big promises. He said, Abraham, I'm going to do some things in your life. God was making what we call a covenant. He was making what, what Bible students call the Abrahamic covenant. Write that down. The Abrahamic covenant. Now, that's just a term that says God was making some promises to Abraham. Those promises included a land. Even though Abraham did not know where he was going, God promised Abraham some land. Isn't that interesting? God promised Abraham a seed. What does that mean? He was going to plant flowers? No. That's that's kind of a Bible way of saying offspring. Abraham, listen, this guy was 75 years old and his wife wasn't exactly a youngster. She was 10 years younger. So she was already ready for social security herself. And God promised. These are big promises. What if God came to you, 65-year-old, in this room tonight and said, Hey, you and your husband are going to have a baby. That's kind of a big deal, right? More than a child. God promised Abraham a nation. Can you imagine? A people being 75 years old He and his wife, beyond the age of being able to have children, God said, you're not only miraculously going to have a child, there is a nation, a people, that is going to come forth from you and your wife, even though he was childless at that moment, and he was leaving his family, the only family he had, he was leaving them behind. And God promised him a blessing. God said He would bless him. He would protect him personally from anyone who sought to harm him. Abraham, I'm going to bless your life. Now the direct result of that promise, of that covenant, was the birth of a nation that clearly God has used in an amazing way. The Israelites, the Jewish people. Friends, it's one of the strongest, listen to me, It's one of the strongest evidences that the Bible is true. From the world's point of view, Israel is a small and many times despised, looked down upon nation, but God, proportionately, God has blessed them and used them more than any other nation of the world by far. It's amazing. Let me give you some of the powerful evidence of that. Their land is the center of the world. Some of the rabbis call Israel the belly button of the world. It's the center of the world and God's work in it. And it's very small, but it even dominates the news this day. Isn't that incredible? This nation has been uniquely blessed and used by God as a people. One pastor said this, he said, Most, if not all, of the Word of God came from the Jewish people. Most, if not all, of the Bible came from Jewish people. The early church was started by Jewish people. Though Jewish people today only represent four-tenths of one percent of the earth's population, listen to this, 0.4% of the earth's population has won 15% of all honors in science, math, medicine, and music. Jewish people. 25% of Nobel Prizes since 1899 have gone to a Jewish person more than any other ethnic group. Are, are you impressed? Wow, amen? Wow. You can make the case... This person said that six Jews have changed history. Moses, Jesus, Paul, Freud, Marx, and Einstein. And we certainly should add all Abe to that too. Abraham, right? Six or seven people, you can make the case, have changed history. In the year 2013, 12% of all billionaires were Jewish. In 2015, in Forbes' wealthiest people in the world list... 10 out of the top 50 billionaires are Jewish. Don't forget, that's 0.4% of the earth's population. 10 out of 50 billionaires were Jewish people. They were destroyed as a country 2,000 years ago. Did you know that? The Romans pillaged destroyed Jerusalem and 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 the Jewish people. But they came back together in 1948. An absolute miracle that an ancient culture went away, broke up, was dispersed, and came back together and formed a nation in the 1940s. Those are just some of the measurable ways that we can say God made some big promises to Abraham and he kept those promises. Amen? God's got a plan. And there's also a curse that goes along with that. God promised to bless those Who bless Abraham and his offspring, Israel, and to curse those who don't. By the way, did you know that the United States was a big part of the work in the United Nations to make sure that Israel became a nation in 1948? It's an amazing story. And many Christians recognize that one of the biggest reasons that our nation has been so blessed is because we have been a friend to Israel. And I'm just saying, church family, that that commitment has eroded. That foundation has cracked. And as it does, that's not good for us. Because God made some promises to Abraham. He promised to bless Abraham and his people. But isn't this incredible? God was going about His work of redeeming, of buying back, of bringing us back to the place that He created for us to be. And in the midst of that, God chose this man, this family to work through, that He promised to bless greatly. In fact, someone said that even in the midst of that curse, there's a hint of the great blessing. He says, those who bless you, plural, I will bless, and the one who curses you, I will curse. Now, the reality is that many people have opposed Abraham's people, but it's almost a grammatical way of continuing to emphasize God's great blessing. Those, I'm expecting, plural, who bless you, I will bless. And the one, should anyone dare to curse you, they're going to be in trouble. Friends, really the promises God made specifically to Abraham are reflecting the fact that he is a big promise-making kind of God. He is a big promise- keeping kind of God and he has made a covenant with us did you know that it's called the new covenant Christ came to establish a covenant relationship with us and God a forever eternal relationship where God has made us many promises big promises amen that he is going to keep God is a God who works in and through the lives of real people like Abraham. He makes big promises to real people like Abraham and like you and like me. And really all of that is because God has a plan. He has some intentions. It's all going somewhere. God wants to bless the whole world. That's really what God was doing all along. He says, I've got a plan to fix all of this that's been broken I'm going to work in this man named Abraham. I'm going to work through him. I'm going to choose to have a special relationship with him and with the people that I bring about through him. But it's really all for this purpose. At the end of verse 3, he says, And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, the last little bit of the message, we focused on the man That God worked through. We focused on the promises that He gave to that man and his family. But let's go back to that bigger picture. Let's maybe take a wider lens. Step back and just see what God was really doing was God was restoring what had been broken. Really, what had been cursed, right? We call it the curse, the fall of man. God was working in and through Abraham making him some promises, but it was really all his, his plan all along to bless the world, to bring the world back to the place that God intended for it to be. God said to Abraham, this is bigger than you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be faithful to you and your family, but this is bigger. This is much bigger than you and your family. Listen, I'm going to be faithful to you so that the rest of the world will see the, the relationship that we have, the covenant-making and keeping kind of God that I am, and the rest of the world will say, we want to follow that God too. Because of the relationship that I have with you. And so they can be blessed too. You see, really that theme of blessing is all throughout this passage in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and even coming to this passage five times in this passage at least, that word is used in, in some form. And then the, even after this, in the book of Genesis, God continues to reiterate that pro- those promises and those blessings that he wants to give to Abraham, but also that God was going to use. He reiterates it several times that God was doing that for Abraham because he wanted to do it for the rest of the world. By the way, that's me and you. If you're not a Jewish person, that's me and you. And as we said just a moment ago, the curse seems to be acknowledged in this passage, but almost minimized. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, that says, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Friend, that's a mouthful. I want you to think about this idea of blessing. God has a plan of blessing. In the midst of, he says, our, our momentary light affliction. That's a mouthful because mine doesn't feel momentary. And it doesn't feel too light. Amen, anybody? There are some really hard things in this world as a result of Genesis 3. God never intended for you to go through that. God did not create us to experience those things, but because of Genesis 3, we do. But over and over again in the Bible, God's saying in comparison with what I have for you, that intense burden, struggle, weight that you carry in this life is going to seem light. Isn't that encouraging? God's not taking away the weight. He's not taking away the hurt. He's not taking away the pain. He's saying as real as all of that is, I'm a God who's bringing, I've got a plan to bring blessing. And it is going to be so good that as difficult as your issue is right now, it's going to seem light and it's going to seem short in comparison to the goodness that I have in store for you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Listen to this statement from some of you I know in this room have taken the Perspectives Bible Study course. It's a very, it's really a college level kind of Bible course. And you see it in the Worship God, I think it's interesting. I didn't even kind of plan it this way. But I noticed that, that we were emphasizing that this weekend in the Worship God, You could take this class. It's a very powerful class getting a, getting a bigger picture of what God is doing in this world. But they say this, the gospel, the good news is that in Jesus Christ, the curse has been set aside. Does that wash over you? The curse. All that you're going through right now that feels like you're never going to make it. In Jesus Christ, the curse has been set aside. I can't even go anymore, that's so good. And God's creative purpose for blessing His creation is established, listen to this, beyond any possibility of reversal. God has a plan to bless the world. And when He brings it, it will never be taken away. Wow. God's last, isn't this good, God's last and effective word is his blessing. That's the last thing he has to say. Sin is not going to win. Death is not going to win. God is going to win, and God is a God of blessing. Blessing is going to win out. It is a particular word spoken in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus broadcast by those who, like Paul, cannot but pass it on, so powerful is its effect, overflowing with blessing from those who bless by it, become a blessing to others. Wow, that's good, amen? I hope you're beginning to see why this chapter is so important in the Bible. Write this down. God is in the process of reversing the curse. And bringing back blessing to the world. God is in the process of reversing the curse, the fall. What happened in Genesis 3. And bringing back blessing to this world. And as we look at Abraham's story. And as we look at what God says. In fact, many people often paraphrase Genesis 12 like this. Many of you have heard it. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Amen? God didn't just do this for me for me. Thank the Lord He did it for me. But He didn't just do it for me. He did it because like Abraham, it's coming to me so it can go through me into the lives of others. As we think about that, I want to give you some very real thoughts about how we, listen, isn't this exciting? In a dark, in torn apart world, how can we bring about blessing? And, and I, hope, I hope you'll never say that in a way that you can think of it um, the same way again. I hope that every time you say, I want to be a blessing, you think of Genesis 12. Amen? Write these things down. You can be a blessing to those around you every day. I think of it as spreading a little sunshine. Amen? There's so much pain in this world. I want to, because I'm involved in somebody else's life, there's more joy. There's more peace. There's more positivity. There's more blessing. How can I be a breath of fresh air? How can someone's life be better off because I'm in it? Listen, doing a good job at work, isn't that a blessing? When you're an employer and you have employees who do a good job, isn't that a blessing? Listen, young people, doing a good job in school, that blesses your teacher. You're a blessing. They are pouring their heart out, trying their best to help you grow and learn. It's a blessing to them. You are extending God's goodness and joy and blessing when you do a good job in school. Having a good attitude, isn't that a blessing? There's a lot of people in this world who have bad attitudes. Don't you just love being around positive people? Amen? Amen. Saying hello to your neighbors, smiling, taking your neighbor's cookies for Christmas. Listen, some of you already have the blessing built into your bones and you didn't even know it. God's just identifying it for you tonight. Amen? It's in me. I want to be a blessing. Amen? You didn't even know it, but you sense it, don't you? You've already taken cookies to your, your neighbors before this Christmas. And you didn't even realize it, but it's because in your heart, God has made you to be a blessing. Now listen, when that neighbor says, you guys are such nice people. Y'all are just so great to have as neighbors. Don't say, well thanks, we try to be. No. You know what you should say? You know what God has done so much for me? God has done so much for us I hope that in some small way we can be a reflection of His goodness and be a what? A blessing to you. Isn't that awesome? Every day, be a blessing. You can speak words that affirm or encourage other people. Did you know that blessing in the Bible is often kind of wrapped up in words? Can't we bless other people by our words? Friends, I'm going to tell you, I've learned this with our kids. I think we need to learn it with our spouses. We need to learn it with people around us. You can bless people with your words. You can change someone's day by your words. That is powerful. Hey, I just wanted you to know, I'm praying for you. That will get somebody through that day. Amen? Hey, I just wanted you to know, I noticed you are good at that. I mean, I know everybody here is trying to do the best they can, but I just wanted you to know, i really noticed how gifted you are at this. Hey, I just wanted you to know I appreciate you. You do a good job. Or, or I notice how hard you're working. Or I notice how, how you're trying to serve other people. I notice what you're doing. Listen, I notice what you're going through and it matters to me. Amen? Amen? That might be something we, that we all need to work on. I notice where you're at in this world and it matters to me. That could literally not change a day. That could change a while. Amen? You just, you just said some words. That was easy, wasn't it? You can be a blessing by your words. You can serve God faithfully and joyfully with your life. Isn't it a blessing? Listen, isn't it a blessing to see people serve God faithfully and joyfully? There's a lady they're going to put up on the screen. Her name is Kate Perkins, and she's part of our church family. Many of you may recognize Kate. She's served in our meet, on our media team. She's been to Texas with us a couple times on mission trips, faithful and serving in so many different ways. Kate came to us, I don't know, a month or six weeks ago, and she said, Pastor Robbie, she was sitting in Leanne's office, and she just said, Is it crazy? I just feel like God wants me to go to Texas and to help the people down there for more than a week. I'm just going to go for like two or three months. Is that crazy? Oh my goodness, Kate. Can we go with you? Amen. Listen, I don't even know what I was doing that day, but I remember what a blessing. Amen. Amen. To see somebody want to serve God with such joy, and enthusiasm. As you look around this building, there are ushers, there are greeters, there are people making coffee, there are people helping other people, there are people singing, there are people playing instruments, there are people speaking, there are people serving our kids faithfully and joyfully. Isn't that a blessing? And did you know when you serve like that and let other people watch, not for their attention, that's how the enemy gets it off track, It's not for the attention of others, but when you just serve your Lord in front of other people, God blesses other people through you. It's a blessing to see so many of you faithfully and joyfully serve the Lord. You can intentionally look for ways to improve the lives of other people. As believers, we can take someone else's responsibilities. We can lighten someone else's load. We can meet their needs. Maybe locally, that's just... Helping a friend who has a need. Maybe somebody in our church that you notice that needs something and you just reach out to childcare or a meal. They're just simple things, aren't they? They're just simple things. You know what is one of the greatest blessings? And we haven't really encouraged it here as much, but, but I encourage, I know some of you do that, and maybe this is a time for us to get this started, but I learned in our church in North Carolina that encouragement cards are a very powerful tool. There were some ladies in our church in North Carolina who would pray and ask God to speak to them about who might need to be encouraged, and they would just send you a card with a verse. I'm going to tell you what. If I could say one thing that was the most, the biggest blessing, a practical blessing, that might be it. Because God knew exactly when I needed to get a card of encouragement. You know what? Now as I think about that, many of you have done that. Many of you, you'll just write on one of those cards You'll write some special words, some special blessing, all of those things. You say those to your pastors, whatever it might be, words, actions to help someone else. Maybe it's in your growth group or maybe it's in your ministry, serving other people through our care net ministry, meeting needs and just working together to help somebody else. Hey, how can I be a what? A blessing regionally. We want to be a blessing to Open Arms Pregnancy Center. We want them to know. We know they're here. That they're, they're trying to, to give people an option who are in very difficult circumstances to, to choose life. We want to be a blessing to them. The open door, soup kitchen. We, we, we need to be a blessing to them. They need to know New Hope's here. We care. We support them. We're there for Code Blue. We're there to serve meals. We need to be a blessing to people in our region, to ministries in our region. Maybe you'd send one of those cards to a church planter. Did you know we have about five or six different church plants that we're involved with, that we're encouraging? Man, sometimes those guys, their wives, they're about ready to give up. It's hard. It's hard. And to know that somebody over there at New Hope was praying for me, man, that's a blessing. Amen? Amen? It could be somewhere else around the world bringing clean water to a village we're going to think about that we're going to think about that somebody needs to bring some clean water to that village amen hey we're not just going to find clean water we're going to share about the living water we're going to share about how you can have life that lasts forever but it's really hard to listen to that message when you're really hungry and thirsty amen man we're going to go to people's houses who've been devastated by hurricanes Can you imagine? Can you imagine if your house got destroyed by a hurricane? And a group of forty people from New York drove up and said, What can we do to help you? Wow, what a blessing. Amen. It's clear evidence that God is at work in my life. Because there's millions of people in my state. How did you get to my house? God is good, and He is still taking care of me. What a blessing you all have been. The last thing is this, friends. Finally, the main thing here, you can spread the good news. For many of us who have the Spirit of God living in us, it almost it doesn't come naturally, but because God lives in us, some of these acts of kindness, by the way, I didn't say random acts of kindness. I know the spirit of that is just just go around doing good things. It doesn't have to be, you know, it can be random. But listen, we're, we're, we're doing thoughtful acts of kindness. Amen? And that's in, in many of your hearts. Many of your hearts is to do these send a card, bring a meal, uh, give a ride, all those kind of things. But listen, friends, none of that matters if we do not spread the good news. Ultimately, we can feed people into an eternity separated from God. We need to feed people. But the reason... Jesus' worked through Abraham is so, listen, not so they could observe your blessing, not they could just be blessed by your blessing, but they could have the eternal blessing themselves. You see, what God was doing through Abraham, His plan to bless the world, was not just clean water, having clothes, choosing uh, to, 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 to make the right choice with your baby. All of those things are important. But ultimately, you know what God wanted? God wanted people to know Him forever. And at some point, if you're going to be a part of extending the blessing, that, that's the ultimate. That's where this is going. Remember, God is restoring what was broken. And the only way... Listen, all that other stuff that I just described is so that we could get their attention with God's goodness. Amen? Hey, Hey, we're coming along and we're helping your life be better today or for this next year. But we're doing this because we serve a good God who wants to bless you forever. Not just in these moments that we're here. Friends, if you want to be a blessing, you've got to spread the good news. And I know this is new for a lot of us, but it's the next step for many of us. And I wonder if right now God is calling you to say, Lord, I'm not sure what that means for my life. But if you'll help me, I'll do it. Amen, anybody? Listen to this. Listen to this last quote. Someone said this. Listen to this. You have been long awaited. We know that Abraham gazed at the sky, counting the stars, because that's what God told him. Look at the stars, Abraham. That's, that's, that's how many people are going to come from you. He looked at the sky, counting the stars, believing that his family would number in the billions, even though he was 75 plus years old at the time. But according to Jesus in John 8, verse 56, Abraham saw more than the night sky. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. Wow. He saw the day of Christ. A day in which billions of his children would be blessed and would be a blessing amongst all the peoples of the earth. No wonder Abraham was moved with joy. You are part of that joy that he experienced. When he looked ahead by faith, He's known as the father of faith. He looked ahead by faith. God is going to bless me with a child, with a nation of blessing. When he looked forward, to, we don't know exactly all that he saw, but he saw the day of Christ. He saw what God was up to. And you were a part of that. Isn't that unbelievable? When we get to heaven, God is going to show us you were a very much more important part of a much bigger story than you ever realized. Friends, when we're thinking about the Bible It won't make sense to you if you've never read Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12 tells us that God had a plan to reverse the curse. He raised up a man because he wanted to send out a nation, a nation that would be blessed so that all the other peoples of the world could be blessed through them. And that's why we're here. How is God calling you to step into that calling of being a blessing? It might be your attitude. Listen, a lot of Christians are sour. Amen? They're not a blessing. A lot of people see Christians coming and they want to go the other direction. We're kind of hard to get along with. We're not very pleasant to be around. We're not being the aroma of Christ. We're kind of making it not very fun to be here. A lot of Christians are living for themselves and not serving others. Whatever it might be today, is God saying to you, is God showing you in a way that you've never seen before? We have been blessed. Yes, we have, God. And the reason for that is because you want us to extend your blessing. Would you bow with me, church family? Would you just envision that tonight? God is reversing that curse and He's wanting to do it through me. What is your part in that? How is God calling you to join in that? Maybe it's something very specific right now. Maybe there's a person that God's put on your heart who needs some encouragement, needs a card, needs a meal, needs to just know That someone sees them and is there for them as your servant in their lives. And Father, I pray right now if there's someone in this room that maybe realizes that all of this is an invitation for them to be blessed. To come into a relationship with a God who created them, who wants to know them, who wants to work in them. Who wants to save them from their sins and help them with their lives? Is it possible that you drove to this GPS location in Queensbury, New York, because God wanted to reveal to you a much bigger story and your part in it? And maybe it's more real to you now than it's ever been in your life. And you know you need God. And you know He's speaking to your heart. You know He brought you here to hear this message. He's saying, I love you. And I want to bless you. And I want to work in you. And I want to work through you. But you've got to be willing to accept my offer. If that's you right now, Would you say, dear Jesus, I accept your offer. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me for my sins and to be my Savior. Lord, I know I don't deserve it, but I ask you to bless me. And as you bless me, would you use me to be a blessing to others? I wonder if there are many of us Christians already in this room that God is speaking to us. It's not in a guilting, not a condemning, not I'm such a jerk or I should be better or I should be stronger. That's not that's from the enemy. But God is inviting you to take some steps of growth. Maybe it is your attitude. Maybe it's your mouth. When you're in the room, does the room get more encouraged? Is there more joy? Is there more peace? Is there blessing? Or is there more curse? Is there tenderness and love? Yes, with truth. But in a way that God would present it. Or is there harshness? God would just speak to you right now. that He's called you to be a blessing. Not to hurt. Not to destroy, not to tear down, but to build up. Would you just get addicted tonight? Would it become contagious to you? I want to walk around this planet just bringing blessing. I want to be a blessing. Everywhere I go, God help me. Lord, help us. In the midst of all this desire, we struggle. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to wait for the ultimate blessing deliverance from this mess to that wonderful place called heaven. But until then, would you bless us, help us, and would you use us as a blessing in the lives of others? This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.